Hi, everyone. It's Deontay Chantel, real estate developer. Today, we're going to hop on here for an impromptu episode of Journey to Develop Her live podcast. Okay, we're going to have a special guest. Again, this is the Journey to Develop Her podcast live edition. We have a special guest that's about to join us shortly. Let me all let me know where you all are checking in from. All right. We're located in New Jersey, northern New Jersey, in the Newark, greater Newark area. And I'm excited to have this real estate discussion today. If you haven't done so already, make sure you go to the, the link in the bio. Excuse me. Go to the link in the bio to subscribe to the podcast Journey to Developer. We're about three years in, I believe. We started and launched this podcast in 2020, all right, during the pandemic. So we just reached our 30th anniversary and we're going to be starting things up again, all right? So this is one of our first episodes that we introduced the podcast. We have one of my favorite people coming on here in a few moments. We're going to be talking about money, real estate, how to fund your deals, and we have our loan officer here to join us. And if you if you don't know what's going on, if you've never seen me before, I'm Deontay Chantel, real estate developer. I got started in real estate back in 2011. So I've been doing real estate for over 12 years, literally right out of college. I got started in real estate as a real estate agent in New York City. Then I became a real estate paralegal, did that for about five to six years. And during that position, I actually um, learned how to wholesale real estate and learned real estate rehabs and flipping. And then I went into development shortly after that. So I went from a wholesaler, a real estate wholesaler, to a real estate developer within like two years. I started that journey within two years. And last year, this time last year, we started our very first ground up new construction project where we're building five houses in the greater Newark, New Jersey area. Okay. But before I even got started on that project, I already had a pipeline of 200 houses. So we have another 200 houses that we will be building in the great city of Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. So development is not an overnight thing. It takes a little longer to get started, but once you get started, the reward is so much better and so much greater. And right now we actually have our mentorship program that starts this weekend. So if you want to know more about that, also go to the link in the bio. Officer Loan Originator, Malcolm Marcel joining us. He was actually just a part of the Zero to Developer Masterclass. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I guess. So he was actually one of the speakers of the Zero to Developer Masterclass. That was about two, three weeks ago now. And he added so much value. So, and now we're also working together. So I wanted you all to know publicly that we're working together. Um, Go to Funding Partner for mortgages and also investment loans. So welcome to the podcast, Mr. Malcolm Marcel. How are you? I'm doing great. That's good. That's good. 
your flowers. That event was amazing. The amount of people that you brought into the room and the resources. You had some elected officials from Newark who actually deal with development in the room with. So this is the person who, if you have an issue with trying to get permits or anything, what's the development buying land? This is the, the direct gentleman who oversees the people that you're probably dealing with. He was there. You had some of the top developers, not even just in Newark, but in other country parts of the world there also. And it was phenomenal. I was just happy to be a part of that. I was like, holy slopes. You told me this is what you do when we first met, but to actually see it is something that's very different. And it's like, wow. I'm with glad. I still can't believe you're on my team. I'm like, I'm so shocked. I'm over here cheesing. I'm like, yeah, we right together. We right together. You're so funny. Well, thank you for being a part of it. Taking that drive from Long Island all the way over to, to uh, East Orange, New Jersey. Now, by the grace of God, the gentleman that Mr. Keith Hamilton, he was one. That's the gentleman you're speaking of. He is the real estate manager. He actually has a whole new title. I think he's like assistant deputy manager or whatever his title is. Anyway, he was the destiny helper that actually helped me become a real estate developer in the city of Newark. And I didn't have the development experience, but he still gave me a shot. And the partner and I that I had at the time, he actually gave us more than three lots. Me and her separated. She walked away with like five lots. And um, I got the three, but make a long story short, he didn't have to take a chance on me and he did. So Salute to him, kudos to him, God bless him. And we're hoping that we're going to continue that partnership with the city of Newark and the city of East Orange. Because what I was able to do was really leverage what Newark was willing to do with me. And I kind of took it around the country. Like, hey, Newark is, you know, decided to partner with me. They made me a designated developer in the city of Newark. So you guys should give me a shot as well. And that's kind of what happened for me. So Enough about me. This is not about me. This is actually about you right now. But this is it. something he talked about. So he talked about that. Well, um, the other guy, uh, I think his name is Alberto. I'm not say his whole name because I'm butchered. But Alberto told about that. He said that um, where he was getting started, he got the same gentleman, Mr. Hamilton, gave him, and he said, "What's it? You want to play? Use your name? Sure enough, just using that, having the." Uh oh, the sound went out. The partner with me, it opens up so many doors. So, kudos to you to doing the same exact thing. Yeah, um, Alberto is amazing. He is one of the partners of Queen Latifah. And again, if y'all missed the, the actual event, the Zero Two Developer Masterclass, you missed a lot. Like, you were able to rub elbows with like the top developers of the country. You heard me? And if you missed it, sorry, but we do have the replay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. so I want to hit to make sure the storm before. You know, we got a multitask. Yes. Yes. So we're going to talk about briefly, because um, I know you're a busy man. We're going to talk about the current state of the real estate market right now. We're heading into fourth quarter. We're one month away, right, from fourth quarter, or we're approaching the end of third quarter. Um, every day, the real estate market, the investment, stock market, everything is changing every day, okay? You're more of a, a, um, a person that was studying the market. I study it too, but not as much as you do, okay? You get the emails with the, the interest rates going up and down all day, every day. So can you tell us what is the current status 
the, of the real estate market as of 2.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So right now, a lot of things going on. Um, what I'll tell people is, if you don't mind, just before you start, just a quick story. I'm, I'm from Queens. I'm from New York. And when my first day of school, going into high school in Queens, we used to always put our outfit out. So I went to a uh, public school, but we had uniforms. So I had my fresh gray um, khaki dickies, my little polo shirt. I had my Air Force Ones all way. You know, I, I'm big into sneakers. So I put that out the day before, but when I woke up, couldn't fall asleep, had stomach. My stomach was growling. No, you're really nervous and excited. So I woke up that morning and told my mom, like, hey, mom, I'm about 14, I'm 15, 16. I forget what age high school starts. And um, I'm speaking to her, like, hey, I'm nervous. And my mom's worst in here. So she had a worst thing to act. I'm going to try it. So please don't make too much fun of us. She goes, Mac? Like, she's like, wait, what are you talking about? You're nervous. Like, she didn't understand it. So I had to convince my dad to take me to school. But we got this, like, yo, park about two blocks away because I don't want the first thing in high school. They remember me, like, hey, who's this guy who got dropped off by his parents? So they dropped me off about two blocks away. And I, I walked to, I walked there and there's a long line. I'm just absolutely nervous. I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. And then I see one of my friends, one of my best friends, who's still my friend today, James. He's about, we're in high school now, and this guy's about six foot, kind of stocky. So I just go next to him. And there was a lot of people in the line upset, but they saw the height of him, and they wasn't going to bother him. And James had a deeper voice. Like, oh, what's up? I go next to him, and now we're on this line. And the reason why I'm saying this story is two things. One, I wasn't afraid to take that first step. Because if I did, I wouldn't know what's high school. And then two, once you have someone willing to help you, it makes everything simpler. So for those who were nearly worried about the interest rates, you're worried about real estate, like what's happening. The first thing is to get help. Get someone who's going to mentor you, take you along and pass someone who's actually going to help you. You weren't like that. Like James was to me, like a bigger brother, a family, a friend, someone who's going to be there to be taken. So once you get that, you have someone who's doing a live for you. Deontay doesn't have to do this. She's taking the time out of her day to give you guys this information. So that's a resource right there. So if you have a question, just message her. And she's, I can guarantee she's very friendly. That's a 100% personality. She's not faking it. She wants to. So when you have someone like that, just message her. So the reason right now we actually did, it did fall a little bit. So the... John Market and um, the, the the exact word the economy inflation rate came back lower than what was expected from the previous year. So every year they do an estimate of what's going to happen. So we came back lower. It didn't mean that it's not high. They had estimates that it would be higher. So consider that the rates actually took a little fall. Now, a little fall. Doesn't mean we're back into the threes, the fours, like that's not happening right now. But historically, we are much lower. A lot of people don't remember this, but right now, rates are still lower. Historically, we were at 17, 18%. You can just Google it if you don't believe it. Google it, look at the rates. The rates were much higher. But due to the economy and the times that we had, we had really low interest rates. So people always assumed that that was just going to stay. So when it changed, it created this frenzy. But to be honest with you, you know this as a developer, there's actually a shortage of houses. 
there's more people because seniors are living longer. So there's people in the house now who aren't selling because the rates are high. So they don't want to sell because the rates are high. And there's people who need a house. So it's creating that influx of the market. And honestly, when the rates do drop, it's going to be chaotic. Let me chaotic. If you think looking for houses now instead, can you imagine if rates just hit floors, everyone's going to be doing a refi. Everyone's going to be trying to buy a second house, might be trying to buy a third, start their investment portfolio because the cost of borrowing just gets so much cheaper. So if you are in the market right now and you have the ability, the ability you have the money, you're like, you know what, rates are high, but I'm not going to focus on the rates. I'm going to focus on just buying the property. And I know when rates do drop, when it's another year, another two years, another three years, I'm just going to make more money. That's how you need to look at it right now. Because the equity that you build now is only going to go up. It's not going to go down. Great, great advice. Now, do you predict that the interest rates will go down anytime soon? I don't think they'll go down anytime soon. To be honest with you, I think this is going to be the norm. Uh, I think we won't see a drop until the economy, the world economy feels secure within, especially the United States. If you notice um, with the, I think it's Brexit, we just lost more people who are actually use, utilizing the U.S. dollar. More countries are going to other forms because they just don't feel secure right now. And they're worried about the U.S. sanctions that could be happening. So uh, make them feel safer. They're leaving the U.S. dollar. That hurts our economy. And all those stuff, like our interest rates are a direct reflection of the economy, our hopes, stuff like that. So I don't think the market's going to crash. Everyone's thinking about this bubble. Let me tell you, it's no bubble. That's not happening. But once we have stronger leadership, usually when a new president comes in, especially if the economy believes in them, when I mean the economy, I mean like Wall Street, when the stock market is stronger, rates tend to be better. So once we have that good leadership and they're like, okay, you know what? The U.S. dollar is looking stronger. Maybe we start winning some more allies. People like, hey, come use Use the U.S. dollar, like that will help. But I don't see it happening at least for another two years. Okay. Maybe won't. So, and, and to be honest, it doesn't matter what the economy does. Everybody watching this, there's only six of us right now, but whoever will see this in the near future, you need to own real estate. Real estate is one of the best ways, the best ways to get a hedge over inflation, Okay. One thing that has never gone down is rent, okay? So it doesn't matter if the market crashes tomorrow. You need to own real estate to start building wealth, period, okay? Your job is not going to help you. If you're not investing, how do you tell you at this point? Your, if your job it helps you get a board. So if you That's have it. good credit, like, like, oh, my credit is perfect. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to run it. What's the point of having good credit if you're not using it to buy homes? If you're not utilizing it to get further in life. I agree. And um, whether you not have a job or not, because there's some people that don't have a job, but they might be entrepreneurs like myself and yourself. Um, what are the different loan options do you have? We have what's called a DSCR, meaning these. Oops. A Sorry, your, your sound went up. Oh, look at it. So we have a loan called a DSCR, so it's a debt service um, income. So what it is, is if you have 20, 25% of 
of the purchase price. So if the house is, we'll use little numbers. Let's say the house is $100,000. If you had $25,000 put down in this house, perfect. Then what we're going to utilize is we're going to utilize the warranty that that property will be generating to pre-approve you. Although the rates are a little higher than closer course of more, but it's not, we're not looking at you, the ball. The only thing we care about is what's your credit score. That's it. We're not looking at your debt. We're not looking at your income that you personally have. So that's a good loan. You also have like profit and loss. We have 1099 loans. We have bank statement loans. So if you have, you can show deposits and you can show on a monthly basis that you make $20,000, dollars you can get pre-approved on it. There's a lot of loans, but these loans are considered non-QRs, non-qualifying mortgages. This means that you are going to pay more and your rate will not be the same as someone called FHA or conventional because those are traditional mortgages. Those are regular products. These are for the outside of the box. Awesome. So, okay. So everybody, okay, you need to be connecting with myself and Mr. Malcolm Marcel for your loans, okay? Whether you're, you are a W-2 employee and or an entrepreneur who is making money, right? Um, we can service you. Now, the reason why we're saying entrepreneur who's making money is because you will need a down payment, okay? So now, the good thing about the down payment is, um, and, and I will be teaching this in the mentorship program that starts this weekend, we do have different ways for you to come up with the money, the resources for the down payment um, without over leveraging your debt to income ratio. Okay. So you definitely want to tap into business funding. If you haven't done so already, you should be utilizing business funding. You should be, you should have a proper business LLC set up and you should, I mean, it's all over the internet at this point, but you should be using business funding to help you on your real estate journey or in any aspect, okay? Only use the business funding in or credit if you are, if you have a plan and a strategy. Don't go out here well and now at Gucci, okay? The, in any other place, all right? Uh, I just want to put that out there because sometimes the we have access to the money, but we don't have a plan for the money or a vision for the money, and then we just wind up being wasteful. So we don't want to go into debt. We want to actually take out good debt that's going to accumulate income for us. So I just want to put that out there. Um, so let's talk about those who may not have their first home, second home or third home. They, they've never purchased a home ever. They never utilized FHA, uh, conventional mortgages, USDA, uh, VA loans. Tell us about those, uh, loan programs that you offer. So one of the biggest things that makes, makes us different in general is the fact that we actually care. So when I was buying my first house, I was about 23. Um, I was already in real estate like Deontay. I was wholesaling houses. So I had some income saved and I thought I knew a lot about mortgages, but obviously didn't know enough because I didn't know anything about FHA. The people I was working with was hard money lenders and people who had a little cash. So I'm like, oh, you know, it can't be that hard to figure out. Little did I know, like, I went in, I went to Chase. I was just another number. I was working with this person for about three to six months. And one day I called him like, hey, you know what? I'm not buying a local family. I found a single family house that I like. Can you readjust my pre-approval? He said, who's this? I was like, I'm from Paul. He said, uh, 
on the top rate of the pre-approvals they give you, I think it was, yeah, it was about the rate. There's a low number and I had to give him the number so he could look it up. Then he was like, oh, I remember you. So one of the biggest things is when you're getting pre-approval, if you're working with anyone, whether it's us, someone else, make sure they know who you are. Make sure they take the time to learn your name, understand what your situation is because everyone's situation is different. You might not want to start generational. You might not want to be a holder of a uh, multifamily. That might not be for you. You might just want a condo, a co-op, or you want to start your construction from ground up. And we do offer loans for that. But find someone who's going to actually listen to you. So that's the first advice I have. Secondly, make sure they're willing to teach you. Because a lot of these lenders, they'll say, okay, just do this, do this, do this. But they won't explain to you why they're doing it. They won't explain to you why this loan type or this loan product may be better. For example, I had a client, her name is Shamika, and Shamika was showing houses, but they were all beat up. And I, I was like, Shamika, these houses are going to pass, so we're going to explain. And she was like, oh, but this is what I would. So after listening, I was like, you know what? Why don't we do a two or three chain loan? So that's a loan where the bank is going to give you money to fix up your house. So you still get a mortgage. And instead of you having like a second mortgage or having to borrow money to fix it up, the bank gave her money to fix up the house. And she lives right here on, um, I think it's Roosevelt, Roosevelt Hempstead. So that's in Nassau County. But the bank gave her $30,000 at closing. And it went, it didn't go directly to her pockets, but it went to the contractor that she wanted to do the work for her house. Kitchen done, got an upstairs done. And she makes one loan payment, not two separate loan payments, three payments. So there's different programs out there. You just have to speak to a person who actually wants to help you and who's going to guide you. That's sound advice. Definitely. We do have a question below. And this is why I like to do lives because <laughs> they might ask questions that I won't even think of. Um, Jason Kerr said, do you recommend doing a group LLC for investing, especially if none own any properties. So I guess whoever's in that group of investors, none of them own properties. Do we suggest them doing a group LLC? I'll let you go first. I, I know Jason. Okay. What's up, Jason? So um, that's a really good question. What it comes to how much your property is to call me because there's a lot of different ways you can buy property as a group. Now, if you do a syndication, meaning they all get a little percentage, that might be easier. But if you're going to go like, hey, we want four of us, we all want 25%, then it gets a little complicated because once you do a group, technically, you have to get the credit for every person on that group. And it depends on what kind of loan you're doing. If you're doing an investment, 25% down, they could technically access your assets. Meaning, let me see your W-2s. Let me see what the money do we have coming. What I usually tell my clients is if you're going to do it like that, one person, the main person, have a contract with him, however you guys set it up beforehand, but have one person on the loan because it just makes the things quicker. When you have five, six people all trying to buy a house, you're going to have to get information from everyone and it stalls the process. You can get one person closing the LLC and the LLC can then sell it to the group membership, however you guys want to do it with your title and obviously your interest. It makes it simpler that way and quicker. Yeah, I mean, everything you just said, um, what I will add is, and I understand group 
group economics and all that stuff. Um, I would say y'all all should have your own LLC. Okay. Now, the way I'm thinking is just, I always just think outside the box. So <laughs> I may not even be correct, but the reason why I would say y'all should all just have your own LLC um, is because you can always do an operating agreement with each other, do an MOU explaining what each of you are responsible for on that particular deal, right? Because what if everybody doesn't always agree on the property that you want to buy together, right? Some two of y'all, and it depends on the amount of you guys working together. Maybe two of you want to do Baltimore, but the other two want to do New Jersey. And yeah, all right. So everybody should have their own LLC. Um, also, you'll be able to leverage the business credit for each LLC that you all have and be able to pull out capital and just be very resourceful and innovative. So that's what I'm thinking about too. Just the access to capital. Is a little limited when you just have one um, and just be open-minded. And then you might just have to have many different LLCs anyway. So that's a good idea. Think about yeah. that. The one LLC, business trust versus having five LLCs or four, whatever it is. I mean, partners, they can each have it. So it doesn't open up more capital. So really good. Yeah. Um, and then just make sure like, cause I've had a lot of partners in this business and yes, <laughs> Well, Not because I'm a trouble, problematic person. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes relationships just don't work out. So just make sure you guys, um, you understand what's everybody's responsibility. Everybody's coming with the same energy. Some po- somebody's probably going to be a little lazy or they just, you know, don't know or don't care. So just make sure you all get educated together. You all understand the business together. And that's key. Um, I feel like, yeah, that part, everybody should at least take the same training so you know what's going on um, and just have an understanding of who's responsible for what. And those roles may change and have patience. And, you know, I'm going to tell you how to pray. So, you know, you may not want to hear that. But ask God, should I even partner with these people? That's like, see, truth It's real Right. Because sometimes your partners are not the people at the same level as you. They might be people that can be beneficial to your company. Meaning when I started, you know, I didn't have the best credit. So I would have someone that had good credit. I would have picked someone that has capital, right? There's two partners. That's that's three of us right there, right? Maybe I'll find somebody that's good at finding properties. That's the fourth person. So find out who's doing what, how they can benefit, you know, how you can benefit each other. Um, not just say, hey, we're all friends, let's partner. Even though you can do that, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but just be strategic on how you're doing it. I like the strategic partners. Yeah, yeah. But that's what real estate investing and development is all about. Um, some people may want to partner with you and they want to just be a silent partner. That's even better sometimes. They might just want to give you the money, give you the capital. There'll be a limited silent partner. That means they don't want to suggest anything, which is good sometimes, and they're letting you run the show. So, uh, Jason, working with Malcolm, since you already knew Malcolm, I'm sure he'll be able to help you get funding and advise you a little bit. But if you're looking for mentorship, um, I don't know. I could possibly be someone that could help you. I don't know where you are, but we do have a mentorship starting this Saturday. And or you could just come to our next event I, I should have a date for it, but I don't right now. It was supposed to be in 30 days. So it was supposed to be 
October 4th, but I don't know if I'm ready for that. But anyway, look out yeah. for the flyer. I'm sure Malcolm will be there. Hopefully, God willing. It takes a while out of you because you got to put yeah. up the full. Glad you know. I was, I was pooped. <laughs> yeah, it did take a lot out of me. But by the grace of God, we had people there to help. You were a great help as well. And yeah, so any questions for Malcolm about funding? Let's see. Tell us about the uh, land development loan options for those who that want, you know, those who want to be real estate developers. So we do have land development. I believe they cover 65% of the land and this is just land. They're not, it's not one of those, oh, there's a structure or in the land. It has to be directly land. I think the credit is for is a 620 and higher. Don't hold me on land. Um, and what I like about it is they're very flexible, so they don't care if it's your first time. They're very open. It's uh, it's not my bank personally, so we work with Middlebrook. That's my main bank, but we broker with other banks. It's a bank that just does land deals. Like they love land deals. They're very open, and if you have any questions, their response time is fast. I have one of the um, the actual account executives. There. One day his name begins, I think his name is Peter. And so far, any questions that I had, he gets back to me. So if you have any questions, just let us know. Now, they're like, they're like the non-QM of land. That's how I look at them because they're very flexible for a lot of conditions. I'm like, okay, go, we can try to work with you with that. And when you do land, you'll probably know more. Some of these lenders are very by the book. They're like, no, that, no, you need to have expertise. You need to have this, this. They're not like that. They're more fluent. Yeah, land development loans right now or loan programs right now are, is much harder, okay? Um, in 2020, 2021, it was a little bit easier to say, hey, I'm a new developer and get your deals funded. Now you definitely have to partner. Well, your lender might be yeah, they the loopholes. Look, we're going to have to set up a call with them, okay? <laughs> Um, mainly because I have a lot of, I have about 10 mentees in the mentorship program. Um, but I am prepared to set up some type of partnership with my mentees, but you have to get educated with me first. Um, so if you do set up a partnership with a developer that has experience, a lot of these lenders will lend to you. But if you just come in out the gate with no experience, they are not I don't know any, except for Malcolm. He just talked about one that will be willing to partner with you and just give you the money. Absolutely. I don't know of any, not even a commercial bank that will give you the money. Um, maybe a seat, no, not even a CDFI. I don't know anybody right now, right now that will do it. Now, if you have extensive rehab experience, they might, they might. But they still may say, hey, you need to partner with a builder and or a developer. So Jason has the good questions. He said, how do you know what lender to go with? Is it just the lowest APR or more of the relationship? It's a real good question. Most people don't realize. So interest rates and APR are two different things. APR is your overall cost, including like closing or all the costs associated with the world. So that is always higher than interest rate. Most people never see it until it happens. Closing, they're like, wait, I thought my insurance was three to five. Why is this saying a six point, whatever? So that's why. But no, I don't always look at who gives you the best rates because 
if that's the case, you'll always be shopping around because someone is always going to be willing to say, oh yeah, I'm giving a little ring. And then they might give you more headache. I've had it done before where, honestly, I'm not going to say which bank because I don't want to get sued. I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. But I had to go to a major bank and they promised them a great rate. And when it came to actually deliver on it, one, they made them jump through more hoops than ever. And then two, all the costs on their clothing because I'm in the we have a deadline. So I was shopping around trying to keep getting the best rate, get the best rate. Yeah, but you got to lose your down payment if you don't close at a certain time. So what I always say is probably someone's going to give you a good rate, but also good service. Because at the end of the day, once you close, it's a, you can have the best rate in the world, but if you don't close, what's the point? Right. That's good. And someone also asks, how do you underwrite deals? That's a good question. Well, I don't underwrite. My job is a loan officer. So I, like Deontay, we bring in the files. Um, I go through the numbers, make sure that underwriting isn't going to be a problem. And underwriting is actually in our office. In our main office, underwriting the about, let's say, 20 steps away. So that's one of the main reasons why I like having a bank slash broker, because I can actually go to them and say, hey, underwriting, what's wrong with this? What do we need? Can you check the guidelines? To make deals go through. When I was officially the full broker, I only can email underwriting, and sometimes they'll take three, four days to get back to you. So it's the control factor that you lose not having an underwriting department in house. So, not for what, most of our deals, so far, all our deals, we haven't really had an issue underwriting because I can just speak with them and they'll tell me what exactly they need to make it pass versus waiting three, four days on an email that may never come. And, you know, um, it's that personal connections. You want someone who can get things done, and that's what our team does. Right. So what are some of the items that they would typically look for or conditions for underwriting? The biggest thing that underwriting looks at is if you own any property. So they do check on this stuff. A lot of people, oh, no, I didn't own anything. But it says that your mom needed your house and you own a house. So, like, that stuff comes up and check. Your income, we're going to send out, it's a, um, I forget the exact name of the number, name of the form. There's a form that you sign so we can get your tax documents from the IRS. So we will see if your income is actually what you're telling us your income is. I had this one client who, for whatever reason, she quit her job, kid you not, in a day, maybe two days before closing and never told us and pretended like she was still working there, but we checked. Like literally the day off close, day before closing, they won't call your job or send them an email and check to make sure you're still working. And that's what happened. And the lady was like, no, she quit two days ago. I'll deny because it's a mortgage for her. Because you're saying you're still working there and you're not working there. Granted, she had another job that she was starting, but you can't do that when you're getting a mortgage. Like the best is to be honest with us. Because if you tell me all the issues, I guarantee you, we can come up with a solution. If you lie, I can't help you. And then it looks worse because it's like you're trying to get more for it, which is a federal offense. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> so so Our, in that scenario, she would have been eligible again after she worked at the new job for like six weeks, to six to eight weeks, well, right? Eight, so four weeks. Four so, weeks, okay. So I just pushed back the closing a month or so? And it push back the closing. 
That's all. Or if I would have known like, that she was about to quit, you know, I could have showed a letter that there was salary. Like, there's things that we could do. I just have to know. Like, she told me she was getting a new job, and I told her, hey, wait until after we close and then get the job. You know, wait until after because it's just simpler because she was rushing. She wants her to get the house. But if it was that important that you close, then okay, you're just pushing the back by a month. But that's on you. And that means your interest rate that we were locked in for, you're not going to get that rate because the rates expire. Right. But it's to be honest and tell us so we can come up with a solution. Because now I get underwriter calling me and uh, uh, owners of the bank calling me like, what's going on with this? Like, it's more than mortgage fraud is a serious offense. And if we won't look bad on it. It's like, yo, all right. No, <laughs> so yeah, I'd rather be very honest with me. I guarantee there's nothing that you're going through that I haven't dealt with or heard before. I've helped people with so many issues. I fill up with a 500 credit score, still get a house. Like there's, if we know the issue, we can solve. It's the not knowing commits to problems. Now, someone else asked a question. When investors say they underwrite deals, should we not support that and stick with a bank? Well, it all depends. So it's different for corn money deals. It could be an in-house underwriting, meaning they could be underwriting their own money. So it all depends on where. Because I've had hard money lenders who write their own term sheets because it's their money, but they can dictate the terms. But for most, if it's like a loan or something like that, it's coming from federal guidelines. So there's certain guidelines that they have to uh, submit to, to then sell it on the secondary market. So their guidelines aren't from underwriting. This is from federal, um, from HUD itself, the housing, urban housing development um, that comes up with some of these guidelines. So we have to follow that Freddie Mae and Freddie Mac. So it's not like we're just making a wrong move. What ends up happening, though, is certain major banks, they end up doing what's called overlays. So if the guidelines say, for example, for FHA, the guidelines says we could go as low as a 580 on a 3.5, some banks might be like, hey, for FHA, we only, you have to have a 620. Doesn't mean they can't go that low, but their bank has their own guidelines that they don't want to take lower than that. Does that make sense? So they call those overlays. These are some good questions, okay? Someone... Another question. They said, is it true that you cannot report your student loans if they are in forbearance when you apply? Well, you should let the loan officer know about them, but we're going to see. Because when we run your credit, student loans are attached to your social. So we see it. And if the payment says $0, I mean, I haven't did any student loans recently, but I know during COVID, when it said $0, that's the payment we would use. If not, they use... um they either use the payment that's there. So if it's off the merits, this is the payment zero when we use zero, or they use, I think it's 0.1% of the overall loan amount for your payment. It's a little tricky. But the good thing is what I like with student loans is depending on your credit score, you can either try Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae because they both have different outlooks on how they look at student loans. So I had clients that were going after each Because it was just the guidelines. Uh -oh. All right, re repeat your whole statement because your sound went out. Um, um, I've had clients that we switch from 
Wait, hold on. Giselle. Oh, did you call Jack? Did you call him again so he gets us in here, please? Did you call him again? I'm charging my phone because it looks like it's blah. Okay. Craft. So, what I like about it is if your credit score is good enough where you can go conventional or FHA, you can play around to see which guidelines support the schools. At the end of the day, we want to get you pre-approved for what you need. So we can switch them around and see as long as it's by the book, because we're not doing the under the book. As long as it's by the book, we can switch it around from FHA to convention just to see. Or we might be like, scrap that. You have enough money where she go, no docs, and not look at you at all so we don't care about this. So there's multiple ways to skin a cat. You just got to figure out the way. Okay. And I did have a question. I want to talk about HELOCs really quick and tapping into the equity of your home, um, refinances. Any advice for, well, not even advice. How does one pull out the equity in their home? Okay, so um, funny story. During COVID, um, refinances, beautiful rates were like at one point, I was doing rates at like 2.5. It was like, it was unheard of. And as the market started shifting, a lot of banks actually stopped doing no duck loans and they didn't even want to offer heat loss. A lot of banks stopped wanting to offer that. Thankfully, being a broker, we still have banks that are willing to do HELOCs. It's just your credit score. So HELOCs directly reflect your credit score. If you have a certain credit score, they just won't give it to you because it's a bigger risk because the way HELOC works is the, for, the first mortgage is the primary mortgage, right? Mm -hmm. HELOCs are considered a secondary mortgage. So that's second. So if you have bad credit or you show that you can't pay the first mortgage, they're not going to think that you're going to pay the second mortgage because they're asking the first mortgage. So they don't have the main rates of the house. So HELOCs, it's got to be the higher your credit, the better. Um, I believe... The lowest that I've seen done was a 680, 680 to 700. So that's one thing. You're going to at least, they usually don't want to go below 80%. So you need to have equity in the house. So you want to have more than 80%. 20% is, might not be enough. We're talking about, this is for someone with 30, 40%. That's really good. Maybe you bought your house. Right before COVID, after COVID, you saw a house person shot up. So as long as the appraisal shows that you have the equity, we can do it. And then lastly, you have to have income to show that you can pay this off because it's another loan. So this isn't for someone who just wants to take out money and not doing it. I'm totally against it. I've told clients who I've closed before, like, hey, Michael, what he like, why? Oh, I just want to have extra money. No, that's, I'm a good conscience. I can't do this for you because you don't have any plan with this money. That means you're either going to buy Gucci, you're going to buy a new car, you're going to create more debt. Now, if you're doing this to do a land development or you're like, hey, I have a business idea and I need this to start up my business, that's different because you have a plan and you have the want to push it and to do this. That's totally different all for But if you just want to take it out, just do it. I don't, I'm not a fan of it. And then what about the refinances? Refinances with the so, I guess be refinance with the refinance cash out. Okay. 
These are the things people want to know. So a HELOC, you do not lose your first mortgage. So for example, let's say you're paying a 3% rate now. The HELOC is going to be secondary and it's going to be a certain amount. So I believe the minimum for a HELOC that we do is 100000 right? And you're going to pay a closer cost on that portion. So it's not the full loan. So a lot of people like it because they're like, hey, I don't lose my first interest rate. The downside of it is, A, you need to have a good credit and the rate is higher. So it's not, uh, you're not looking at a five or right now rates about in the sevens. You're not looking at a seven. You're looking at higher than that. So that would be all for the portion, not off your total. Then when you do a refinance, the credit could be lower. Your credit score could be lower. And we do it off the entire loan. So the money you're taking out, plus you per mortgage payment, all the fees, that whole entire thing is a refinance cash out. And that new interest rate is offered for the entire thing, whereas the HELOC is off a portion. But I had it done where I was doing a HELOC for a client, and we looked at it and it was like, you might as well just do a refinance because a refinance is giving you a cheaper rate. And HELOCs tend to be either fixed or variable. So they do have variable interest rates with HELOCs. And HELOCs are terms. So it could be a five-year term, 10-year term, or uh, I believe the longest one I've seen is either 15 or 20 years. terms. So I had one and we were like, we did the numbers. It was like, it made no sense because his credit wasn't the best. So the HELOC rate was a lot more than just doing a simple refinance. And he got the money, just dealt with the high interest rate. So it all depends. These are questions that you speak with your loan officer. And if you have a really good loan officer, they'll show you the comparison. Hey, this is what you pay for the refi. This is what you'll pay as a HELOC. And what the client decides is the best for Well, everybody, all, it was eight of us. All six of us right now, they better be coming to you in or I. If you already knew Malcolm before today, definitely go to Malcolm. But if you knew me before today, you better be coming through me. But we work together anyway, but you know, just some put that on there. You got to. It's more you know, there. But yeah, we better be your loan officers. Well, I'm going to just send you to Malcolm anyway, but if you go to Malcolm directly, just tell him Deontay sent you. Exactly. Like we, you found me for how long? So I could do more of these. Oh, man. Well, this was great. So someone that want to know, does this information vary by state? And someone also said, I'm in Jersey, first time meeting. Both. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so hit us up in our DMs. We got Jersey and we got Philly in the building. So I think he's from Philly or New York. I can't remember right now. Well, Malcolm, he funds deals in all 48 states. Well, I'm acting like it's on 48 states, but in 48 states throughout the country. Um, and when it comes to investment loans, I think he does all 50 states. Or we'll say we do all 50 states because if he doesn't do, have a lender for all 50 states, I do. So all 50 states for investment loans and development loans. And okay, royalty is in New York. So yes, these, he's in New York as well. He can assist you. Um, you work with down payment assistance programs, right, Malcolm? Yes. So eBay is one of the down payment assistance. I'll let you know that when you go through a down payment assistance, he taught people there's no such thing as free money. So once you go through these programs, they have their whole hoops. And have not that doing me. They have their own guidelines that they want you to do. They have income requirements. So you have to deal with that one by, I'll be there to 
guide you, but I don't, it's not like, it's not our office or we control so many of the government, that program. Um, Biden is coming out with two first-time homebuy programs. I think he will announce it 2020 or 2021. So we'll see what happens. I know it just went through Senate. Um, he has two. One is for a tax credit, I believe, of ten dollars or $15,000. And the other one is a grid to help you keep get tougher. So one is asked, do you have a house? And the other one is to help you get it. Now, we don't know when they're going to come out with, how long it's going to take. Well, the stipulations, but they're always stipulations. But for Sony Maid, like, well, you have to be living in the house for 10 years. You have to have a medium income of a certain amount for the area that you're buying. And they do have their own class that they want you to So just be careful. And the rates can be higher. So just be very careful when you look for these down payment systems. I tell people, if you can afford it, save your money, buy it yourself. So you don't have to jump through anyone else's hopes. You can sell, do whatever you want because you already, you don't own anyone else. Right. Yeah, I think Newark has a similar program. And it is like a five or a 10 year, you have to live in a house type of ordeal. Um, so, you know, if it's free grant money, it is not really free. But if you do plan to live there, which I would take the free money if I plan to live there for 10 years, right? Um, and then, yeah, make sure you buy a multifamily. And to me, I'm always going to say go with a multifamily. 100%. Fun statistic most people end up moving three times in their lifetime. We, we, in our heads, we think, well, this is going to be our final house. It tends not to be because things happen. Either you get bigger with more kids or you, you shrink, it downsize. And I'll tell people like Deontay just said, if you're going to buy a multifamily, please get that first because it's so much harder to get it after. Especially if you want to use FHA, nine times out of 10, they're not going to believe it because we have to explain to them why you're getting from a single family to a multifamily. So. Right. All to get it, get it first. Start with the four unit, the three unit. Get whatever you say you can and go for it. I'm helping the guy now. His name is Gene. I just told him he was looking at buying a two fan. I was like, yo, Gene, you have the income. Just get the four and downsize instead of getting a two down and then getting a one. Get four, three, two, one. You have the money. Go for it. Yeah, especially if there's inventory. I know we had an inventory issue. Well, four families. So let me know where the four families is at because I don't know where they at right now. But, but yeah, if, if there's inventory, go for it. And if you have the income, definitely, I would say go for it. Um, and that's what low class families we give you extra money. We give you seventy five of the rental income. So if you're buying four unit, you know, live in one. So we're giving you seventy five percent for three units, and all have to pass the self sufficiency, meaning that it can take care of itself without you. Yeah. And so. so of course, and rent just keeps going up. You know that rent is like every every month is like oh, new laws going up. I'm hearing now one bedrooms one bedrooms in Queens are going for like three a one bedroom apartment is going for about almost three thousand dollars. Like, holy smokes! It's nuts. What I will say is, um, because the gentleman from New York, let's see, uh, royalty, he's actually an investor in Detroit, or he started buying property in Detroit. So if you're buying single family homes in Detroit in an LLC, you're okay. It's when you go to get those FHA loans where it becomes an issue. Um, because you might be able to buy a single family home for $2,000 in a different state as an investor. Go for it. But we're talking about if you're getting an FHA loan 
for your primary residence, you're going to live there, start with a multifamily if you can, if you can afford to do so. Okay. Yes. Um, all right. Well, I'm not going to keep you, Malcolm, because I know you're busy. I got to go get my daughter from school. But this was amazing. I'm sure we'll do a part two, maybe in like two weeks or so. Um, Malcolm and I got together. I joined Meadowbrook, right? That's the name of the company. So those who know me, um, I would say, come to me. Let me know you want to get a loan. I'm going to definitely, you know, give you some pointers and then I'm going to send you off to Malcolm. And or I'm going to give you a link for you to just apply because if I have all of the answers, you can just go apply um, for your mortgage. All right. So yeah, that is that. What'd you say? Go to her. But if they know, go to her first. Let her get the documents. Make my job easier, please. Help me out. <laughs> yes. Um. So we were working on a deal together now, and I'm like, these people still don't submit the docs. That's a whole thing. We ain't gonna talk about them. But I'm, I was a side eye the whole chat, like. <laughs> All right. Okay. Anyway, um, and I'm gonna be following up with some people that um was working with me before that in that other lender I was working with. So with that being said, you should have some more people coming up that are active in the investment side of things. Um, but with that being said, y'all, check this out uh as a replay. I will probably post it online, but if not, it's gonna be on the official journey to develop her podcast. So go to the link in my bio, go add us on Instagram. I mean, not Instagram. Yeah, Instagram, yes. On iTunes podcast, Apple podcast, Google podcast, and YouTube. We're also on Spotify. We're pretty much on all platforms for podcasts, iHeartRadio. So go make sure you go subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And um, if you're looking for mentorship on how to become a real estate developer and or investor, we start our mentorship this weekend, okay? At the end of the mentorship, we will be doing property tours and going to a modular plant facility. This is where they build modular homes in a warehouse and they come and deliver it on the foundation of your land. Okay, so it's going to be really dope. I don't know if I'm going to sell tickets for that separately because we already got like 12 people and that's a lot of people for me. I don't do crowds like that. So, <laughs> so with that being said, I would say get in the mentorship. I'm making it exclusive for the mentorship people. Malcolm might pop in the mentorship as well. I'm not sure yet. I'm going to see what his schedule is like. And you also get lifetime access to the private developer community. So what that looks like is we have a private community. After the mentorship is over, which is only four to five weeks, you will get ongoing support. And this is for the low. I'm not going to tell you at a price because I don't sell on the internet like that. I'll go to the link in the bio. You'll be able to see how much it costs. It's really affordable. It's uh, right now. It's under five hundred. Um, the next time I do it, it will not be that cheap. I promise. Yeah, I'm probably gonna go up. Yeah, I, I went up to a thousand, and then I felt bad. People was like, I missed the promo. So we're back at, at we we get, we're giving people a scholarship. If you need the promo code for the scholarship for five hundred dollars, send me the word scholarship in my um, excuse me. Yeah. Send me the word stuff. Right. In my DM. Watson. Right. Slide up. Pull up. And then um we, we're starting this weekend and it's gonna be incredible. I'm really excited. And that's it for now. So we I done said a lot. I give Big Malcolm. And 
Have a blessed day. What'd you say? I look forward to doing this in another week or two. Yeah. Let's try to do it like every two weeks. I think that's that'll bring more traction to us <laughs> and what we're doing. Um, all right, y'all. Y'all have a blessed day. Bye.